You're listening to the private podcast for The Matrix with Amber Smith. We missed some awesome stuff. No, that's okay. <laughs> One of the things that you and I have talked about and others on this call too is like the idea that you're like opening a relationship with the people that you're talking to so that they see not just the vision, but how you can play a role in that vision becoming real for them. And it feels way better because it's about your belief in that. And then they just get to decide if the yes or no. Super cool. Okay. Well, ladies, today is just hot seat coaching. I can also just riff and chat about anything you want to hear me talk about if you don't have anything in particular that you want coaching on as well. These calls are just designed for you. So however I can help, that's what we're here for. So we'll just start with hot seat coaching. Does anyone have something immediately come to mind that they want coaching on? Well, if we can kind of continue the conversation that we started before, is it that one-to-one is filling up nicely? And I can see that, you know, there's no reason to believe that wouldn't continue into Jan Feb. Then Mm -hmm. I'm starting to jump ahead to group coaching. And I've been playing with ideas of not so much what it could look like. I think I'm fairly clear on that. Where it's like one-to-one coaching is this hybrid of coaching with this program behind it. And it would almost be the same, but it's, you know, with group coaching, they don't get to pick the time. It's like group coaching is this time. They aren't guaranteed a hotspot. And even if they do get a hotspot, they're not going to get like full 45 minutes type. Yeah. But equally, my mind goes, well, you've only just filled all your one-to-one slots. What if you only get X number of people and effectively you're offering one-to-one coaching almost, but at a group coaching price? You're afraid you'll only get one person into the group? Not necessarily just one person, but it's that from my experience with group coaching before, yes, you've got this many people, but only this many people make it each week. So whilst I might say start with half a dozen, it's still that. I guess there's two elements for me for the group coaching. One is it makes it more affordable for people who maybe would like one-to-one, but whose budget just doesn't stretch. But also part of what I love about, you know, The Matrix is hearing other people's experiences so that you kind of go, okay, it's not just me who has these thoughts. Sometimes you can see it more objectively when it's somebody else. So I think if it was just a small group, there's two things coming up. One is, am I doing a disservice to my one-to-one clients? Or if, and I don't know whether it is going to be a small intake, but given I don't have a huge email list, it's like statistically likely to be a smaller group. But am I doing a disservice to my one-to-ones if I'm almost by default offering one-to-one just at a time of my choosing rather than choosing. And it's also that, am I really offering the group coaching experience if it's only a small number of people who turn up each time? I'm curious, like if two people showed up to the call, would you consider that group coaching? Just technically. (laughs) Technically, technically it's group coaching. Like, I think that this is good because you have to be comfortable with, like, when I am going to launch something, I'm like, if one person shows up, am I ready to deliver what I want to deliver? That's how it's the offer that I want. So I think the difference that you're describing is, like, you think it's powerful to have other people be coached so that other people can get the insight without being coached themselves. 
Yes. And to feel Uh, like they're not the only person struggling with this. Let's talk about your fear that there will only be one person that signs up for group coaching. Because I think that's what you're afraid of happening, that only one person will sign up for your group program. I think I do think it's going to be more than that, but that the number who can physically make whatever I deem to be the time each week, where it is just a percentage, where I maybe have six sign-ups, but only to make it live each week. And yeah, probably two or three more watch the replay. So I guess from that perspective, in terms of my objective of somebody being able to get value from. Right. They can watch the replay and still get value. Probably not factored that in and just discount that aspect of it. Yeah. So in my experience, like I get people, even in the matrix, like there's 25 people that technically could be here today and they're not, and that's okay. And I get people who will message me saying, I watch every single replay and I get a ton out of it. And yeah. so I think we have to just trust that people will join and get what they come for, whether they're there live or whether they watch the replay, both are valuable for people. Yeah. And then I think the other thing I'm playing with is not so much how to price it, but it's whether almost like a rolling membership, but with mm-hmm. three open car, closed car periods where technically they could, you know, you come in, you pay your monthly fee, cancel at any time. Or more like the Matrix where it's like you sign up for, I was thinking six months, where you either pay, yeah, you could either pay whatever it is a month or pay for the six months in full with a discount or a bonus. And if they do sign up monthly, there's nothing to stop them canceling two months. But it's, yeah. always, it's just the expectation that it sets that this is a six-month process at least. And yes, you can re-enroll, even outside of the open car, closed car. If you were a re-enroller, you wouldn't have to stick to those periods. You'd just be able, you know, I'd make the offer at the end of the six months. You want to come back in for another six. Yeah. What would serve your clients the most? Six months, because it sets that expectation that this isn't going to be a quick win, that if you haven't achieved all your live streams at the end of months one, this isn't the program for you. It's like, is a six-month program. The content is released over the first probably three and a half months, and there will still be work to do beyond that. I think the reason that I like to ask that question, even for myself, like what's for the highest good of my clients, which is why the matrix is a year and probably why you want to be six months. It's not just like to keep people in and for things to look a certain way or to be a certain way. It's like, this is just what it takes for you to, like what I feel comfortable helping you get results. It's like coaching and over time, that's where you get the best results. And where I have run something similar to this, but different to this in the past, it's similar enough that I know that six months was generally the length of time it took. The people who got the most out of the program, who applied themselves, all that sort of stuff, six mm-hmm. months was the right container for that. So now I need any thoughts on what a launch looks like for group group program, or is there something in the matrix that I can just go and Make it rain or something like that. Good yeah, it's make it rain. I also have like in, it's called the strategy files. There's like a launch something training that you could watch. I can just quickly share how I would do it. I would start teasing something is coming. Like that's the make it rain sequence where it's like you're whispering something that's coming. And then as it gets closer, you're sharing more about it. And then when it opens, it's like everywhere. I would even like hint maybe in like the PS of an email or an article that you write that you're creating something for more people to get access to coaching or something like that. 
and just let them know that it's coming. That would be something that I would do like this week. Why not? In terms of the why not, part of it is like, I'd love to be able to launch this in January because if going forward in the future is, is a January, Easter-ish, September-ish sort of open close, because otherwise I know it's made up nonsense. <laughs> Therefore, if I don't do the January one, I can't do it until Easter because that's when in future, and I know that that's nonsense as such. Especially for the first time that you're opening it. In the future, maybe you do get in that cadence, but like when I started the Matrix, I was launching it like every other month to get the people in the door. And like next year, I'll only open it twice. And I think just to get people into this first iteration, what if we release any expectations of when? When does it work for you for this first time? Yeah, and thinking about part of the reason I launched it at those set times was that everyone was going through the program kind of simultaneously so that it's like you know this week's coaching call is likely to focus on this week's content release but if actually it's going to become more of a staggered thing the dates and to get through the program it had to finish before the next school holidays because it was a group coaching program rather than a rolling membership it was like right we wrap up this just in time for the school holidays and I'd have the school holidays off Reopen, yeah. and wrap up. Whereas now kids are older, I'm quite happy for it to be a rolling thing throughout the school holidays. Yeah, and I think knowing the structure of how you want to deliver the value. So if you're going to teach something or if there's going to be kind of like a curriculum, that is something to consider versus like an open hot seat coaching type group coaching where it's like whatever comes up yeah. and what we're working on today. Those are that, two different that's, things. Yeah, that's whereas previously where it was this growth program, it's like, here's the release dates. Therefore, each week is likely to have theme around whatever the content is. Whereas if I'm looking at it being a rolling thing, people are going to be in different spaces. I've gone through further coach training, so I'm more comfortable with them bringing mm-hmm. things. I think what's holding me back from, and I don't yet, let's start teasing it now, is where I... Although, as we mentioned before we started recording, the one-to-one is filling up very nicely because I've been focused on it over the last couple of months and hopefully the last few spots will fill up January time, is am I risking cannibalizing the one-to-one if I open up the group coaching? Yeah, I've found that belief not helpful. Like, am I risking another offer by offering this? Because my personal belief is like my one-on-one clients, if they still align with one-on-one, it doesn't matter what else I'm offering. They know that they want one-on-one. And I think your clients will probably feel the same. That's the level of support that they want from you. And then the people who aren't sure about one-on-one, they might be inspired by the group program. Either way, I just choose to believe that my clients find the right offer for them. And if you really believe that, how would you talk about this upcoming group program and one-on-one? In some ways, you're actually, because I can think of people who have started in group coaching in the past and then come to me and go, yeah. now that I really see the impact talking about one-on-one. And I would cut off, you know, sort of anyone who's a one-to-one client, if they want to come along or if they want to watch the recordings, just so that they have that community aspect as almost a yeah. bonus yes. for the one-to-one. There's that as well. Yeah, I like to offer everything to my one-to-one clients. Like you can just have it all. So that they want the community, they get it. So if you believe that the right people are going to find the offer for them, what does that look like practically for you? Like the first thing that came to mind was like a wait list for the crew or like an interest list? Yeah, probably something like that. A little bit of me is still saying wait till after Christmas. Yeah. 
partly because of in terms of where their heads at. Whereas, you know, as I say, even some of my one-to-ones are like, let me just get Christmas out of the way. Because if they register the interest now, by the time they get to New Year, they're a different. But also practically from my point of view, there's bits of pieces I need to sort. And I just want to do that last iteration of the one-to-one yeah. sort of things and wrap that up. But I think probably that last week before Christmas, when I finished that ride and things kind of go a little bit, you know, quiet, that's when I probably got the headspace to think, right, let's get the copy, the emails, the this, the that ready. So that out the gates in January, I can tease it and it gives me a chance to watch Make It Rain and look at the strategy files. Yeah, I like that. I like things personally that they work for you first. You might have heard me talk about the order that I try to make decisions from. It's like, for me, for you, for us. Yeah. Like, it has to work for you first. So if that works for you, like, I think I'm behind it. I like it. Lovely. Thanks. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Natalie. Who else on the hot seat? I came in late, but I will always volunteer. (laughs) I love it, Danita. Okay. And even if you're late, who cares? If you have something, bring it forward. I love it. I know. I was just thinking that maybe somebody else wanted to go. But if you guys aren't going to go, I'm going to take advantage. Take the hot seat. <laughs> In fact, I have to gather my thoughts. I was, I have a lot of things that I'm thinking about right now. I guess the main thing right now in this moment is that I need to write a book. This is a spiritual prompting. This is like following the pattern of starting a business, doing the things that I've done, becoming a homeschool mom. I always have these promptings. And I resist them for a while. And then I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't. It's like insistent. So I have to do it. But it feels like I run my business the way that I have been running it the last couple months. Well, actually all year, I've been trying to like figure out where do I make time to write? What's the rhythm for that? And, you know, how do I do that? And I've tried some different things. And I finally just was like, I just have to put it on my calendar, which means that other things have to fall out of my calendar because I only really work. And I consider this like a work project. I will only work from like 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. while my kids are in school. And it just doesn't feel like I can prioritize writing. And I have one-on-ones. I have group. I've done this new small group offer. And I just feel like I want a more simple business. Basically, the last couple of years have been in this phase of trying a lot of things and seeing what I like and seeing what works and all of that. And now I feel like it's time to kind of constrain down. So it's sort of expanded and now I'm in a constraint phase. So that's what's on my mind. I'm thinking about dropping my one-on-ones, which I never thought I would do. I'm like, is this the way? (laughs) So I should rephrase. I'm thinking about not offering one-on-ones directly to the public, only offering those through my group. It kind of makes me hold my breath a little. I'm like, oh. So because in the same vein... I also have like money goals. So yeah. I'm like, I think I'm that thing comes up. If I focus on writing a book and I take one-on-ones off the table, unless you're in my group, then will I reach my money goals? Does it matter? I don't know. Also, that's kind of where my brain is. But if it was easier to fill your one-on-one that way? Yeah, it could be easier. You don't think so? Well, so my group is pretty small right now. I have 12 people in the group. And currently I have an offer that if they want one-on-one sessions, it's like $60 right now. So it's like really discounted and only a couple people have taken me up on it this entire year. So maybe I'm just thinking 
I don't know that the group really wants one-on-one, but maybe, maybe that's just a limiting belief. Tell me about why you're offering it for $60. Well, originally it was $100. That was the discounted rate and none of the group members were (laughs) using it. And I had at the time, this was like, I don't know, four or five months ago, I had more time in my schedule than I wanted. Now I wish I could swap now. (laughs) So I was like, oh, maybe I'll lower the price and see if that changes. Because I'd rather like over deliver to those clients. And so I just haven't changed it back. Okay. Tell me about your other one-on-one clients that aren't coming through the group at that discount. So my other one-on-ones, usually they're either people that want one-on-one, not group, or sometimes the time that we meet for the group doesn't work for them. They're not LDS. They want the nervous system somatic work, but they don't kind of fit the profile of who I really want in the group. So that's typically like either they're like, I really don't want a group. I want one-on-one or like I had a guy come and do a free session and I'm like, my group is only for women. So if you want to work with me, you have to do one-on-one. So as far as cost goes, it's around the 150 a session mark is what it ends up being. I have three offers for one-on-one. They can do 12 sessions or six months or a year, but the price is basically the same no matter what, which one they choose. Okay. Okay. And how is all of that feeling to you? I think taken as a whole, it feels complex and overwhelming. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm like, I need to simplify. I have too much going on. I feel really good about the group offer. That feels solid. So you can keep that the same. Keep that the same. When I think about the one-on-ones, I have thought about only having one offer. Only doing like, if you want to work with me one-on-one, it's 12 sessions and then they can renew or not or whatever. But when you ask like what would serve your clients most, like how long does it take a typical client to receive the results that they want? It's not 12 sessions. Really, it's a year. So I'm kind of like, ah, but I also recognize that for some people, it's hard to commit to a year of weekly coaching and that price and all of that. So that's why I had like different offers. Some people do come and say, no, I'm not interested in 12 weeks. I know this is going to take longer. In the last five years, I've done a lot of experimenting with that. My preference is to sell yearly packages. Yeah. I just like it. I like to get to know my clients really deeply. It feels more simple, I guess. But if I think about what would serve my clients the most, I think actually six months is probably the best offer just for them to kind of get on board and be able to commit to that. I mean, I have had people commit to a year. It just seems to be more rare. People hesitate yeah. a little bit more. I think in my experience, I get a different kind of person. Usually they either know you, they're like, I know I just want to work with you for a few years because I see this work. Or they're like, I understand that what I'm trying to create is going to take a year to get to the results that I want. That's typically, although I will say the last client this week is her final session and she did a year with me. And I think like nine months, she got the results in about nine months. So it depends on the client, right? Totally. It's not a rule. It takes a full year. But if you only did for six months, that's interesting to know, too, that you might not have not gotten to the place that she got to. Yeah, exactly. I have a belief that like my clients always get what they come for, whether it's right away or later, where they like everything clicks or that insight applied or whatever, that my clients get what they come for with whatever they choose. I love this question. Like if all things were possible and everything was working, 
exactly the way you wanted to, what would you choose for one-on-one? I think I would force people to go into my group. Like, I think I would only offer group. And then if you want to work with me one-on-one, you have to enter the group and then add on to that. Yeah. Which means I don't work with men. I don't work with non-Christians. I just had a session with a Muslim woman who saw my website and was like, I really want to work with you. And she's in Thailand and she speaks French and English is her second or third language. And I'm like, everything else felt really good, but like the time zones and the language and all of that, I was like, I don't know. So like people like that, I'm like, no, I would have to say no to a lot of people. And I think that's what's giving me pause. But I think that's what feels like it would create more space for writing. Yeah. I was going to actually say that, like what you were talking about in the beginning is how do I say no to things so I can create the space for my writing? Yeah. It just feels like, oh, it's going to take a lot of faith. Well, and I think that's what you actually want. I think you like that. (laughs) But I think too, it requires a little bit of constraint. But constraint gives you a space to be creative. Because I think what I love about group is that you can make more without doing more. You take on new clients into the group. You have leverage. And one thing I notice is that it is easier for me to sell one-on-one. It's easier to kind of like tailor to a specific person and be Mm -hmm. like, yes, of course I can give you what you need in one-on-one. It's actually a little bit more challenging for me to sell into a group and to believe that they'll get what they need and all of that. So I think it's been a little bit of a crutch to have one-on-ones like separate from the group because I'm like, okay, well, if the group doesn't work, then I'll just sell one-on-one and that's easy. So, And that's true. You still have that. But what would it be like to have actual faith that the group could do what you wanted it to do and that the clients got what they came for in the group? This is an interesting question to play with. What if people got better results because of the group? Yeah, in some ways I do believe that is why I offer a group. Because yeah. like what Natalie was saying, bit coach. Yes, it's like, oh, I'm not a weirdo. I'm normal. This is normal, and then they can watch other people get coached with the same exact feelings, and they're a little bit removed from it. And the group members consistently tell me like it is so useful to watch other people process an emotion or whatever it is. I think. It's just a little bit different. I typically coach about three people in an hour. And so it's like 15 to 20 minute coaching versus that deeper, like we have 45 minutes, an hour or so. But yeah, I guess if I offered one-on-one only to the group members, which is what I've been working toward, is just kind of like, am I ready for that? Like, is this the time? It feels good. It feels simple. It feels more spacious. What I feel relief from thinking about is like, oh, I don't have to sell as much, which I don't know if that's true, but it feels like I'm not selling two things, right? That I'm just like more focused in what I am selling. So this is what I'm gathering from what you said. This is what you want. You want to move to a group only. And then I think the next question is, when do you want to like make that powerful decision and cut off all the other things? Yeah. One of the thoughts that I had was to... I think what I want to do is actually raise the price on the group. This is what I've been playing with is if I raise the price on the group and then include like part of what you purchase, you get this group, we meet twice a week, potentially more in the future. You also get like six one-on-ones with me. It kind of came to me. I was like, oh, I need to like sell the group between now and the end of the year. 
and give a bonus of a certain number of one-on-one sessions. Mm-hmm. And then at the beginning of next year, raise the price of the group and include those bonus sessions for everyone. As I like it. Yeah. But then I don't know that, I mean, I guess I could still offer one-off sessions of six sessions or however many I choose to offer as a bonus. You know, if somebody wants more than that, then they could. For a minute, it felt like, well, then I wouldn't even need to offer one-on-ones at all. It would just be part of the group experience. If yeah, like a hybrid program. Yeah. Because I think yeah. if your goal is simplicity, we're not doing the one-off session. That adds complexity. Simplicity would be like you get the group and private sessions, you know, a certain number, this is the price, and this is how I work as clients, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not right or wrong. You cannot choose that. But I think if you're looking for simplicity, that's pretty simple. Yeah, I just have to sit with that and think about, do I want those one-on-ones as part of that group offer? Or do I make the one-on-one like a separate offer that's only available to group people? Or the other thing that you could have is almost like a tier. So it's like the group without one-on-one or the group with one-on-one, you know, there's just two prices. So they either buy a package of one-on-ones with the group. So there's not like these $60 random calls. It's like, it's either this price or this price. This one includes one-on-one calls with me. Yeah, that feels good. And it also feels like I know what my obstacles are going to be already. What? Like saying no to people. I mean, I feel like for so long, it's just been the game of getting people in the mm-hmm. whole like more leads, right? That's typically the top of my funnels where I struggle more. And this just feels like a different game. It is. There's like phases in the coaching business. You know, in the beginning, it's like you're willing to coach anyone that wants it. I remember that. Like anyone who wanted coaching, like I was down, <laughs> you know, because you just want bodies to like get in the door and get practice and fill your practice and stuff like that. But after you got people in the door, I think what you're doing is like refining, like what kind of people work best with me? What people get the best results? How do I want to deliver those results? You add constraint. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me is that I'm refining. Well, this was another thing I was going to bring to coaching, but I can do it a different time. I typically do a free session to a consult, to a package or whatever. And I was like, it feels like it's time to switch that up and to maybe charge people for a consult. And if they were to hire me, they could apply that amount. But then I was like, oh, that's going to bring fewer, more qualified people in the door. Am I ready for that? I mean, I think if I'm making space for writing, I think the answer is yes. It's just different. This is like a different thing, a different game to play, you know? If you don't like it, you can toss it. Maybe if you experimented with all these different ideas and tried it, your marker for success is like, am I actually writing and am I making money? Like, am I creating both of the things that I want? Yes or no. Do I like it? Yes or no. Yeah, I do. I do like approaching everything with the air of experimentation because I think I tend to like want things to be set, like set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just like, we're just going to try it out, then it feels a lot more like nimble and like we could do it, we could not do it, whatever. I don't know. It just feels easier. Yeah. What's your human design, Danita? I am a pure generator at 2-4. Okay. Emotional. So, yeah. So one of the things that I'm always paying attention to as well is like, am I theorizing in my head or am I experimenting actually in the world? Because the things that I think I'm going to like or not like in my head sometimes aren't actually better when I actually do it. 
Mm-hmm. Like there was a time where I thought I would get rid of that one. And then I did, and I did not like it. I was like, oh, good. I'm glad I experimented so I could find out what that actually would be like. You know, because in my head it seemed one way, and then in reality it was a different. So don't just think about these ideas. Try them and then evaluate yeah. what you get. Yeah, and in my head it's like, I'm just taking 101 off the table while I write a book. So I don't think it's like a permanent thing. I think it's just for this season. Totally. Yeah. But I mean, maybe it will be. Maybe I'll be like, this is amazing. Yeah. Maybe you'll love it. Okay. Yeah. That's super helpful. I'm excited to share what feedback you get from actually trying it. Yeah. I'm tempted right now to be like, doors are closing on -on one-on-one. If you want it, you have to get it now. But then I'm like, but wait. Is that defeating the purpose of creating space to write? But I don't know. It's like this loyalty to people that maybe have been like thinking about it. What if you limited the number of people you took on? Oh, yeah. I only have three spots anyway. Okay. So then say that. Say doors are closing to 101 because I'm going to focus on writing my book. I have three spots for 101. If you're on the fence, this would be the time. And then to follow through and not take on more one clients. <laughs> yeah. I like literally don't have space for more than that. So... I think I would follow through on that for sure. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I'm excited for you. Exciting things. All right. Who else wants a hot seat? Thank you, Tamita. I'll go. <laughs> and what's up? Okay. So I feel like this is super duper basic, but I keep coming back to it. And this is the struggle that I'm having lately is just my dang thoughts. And so basic. That's like what we do. <laughs> I know, but it's like, but I know, I know, but I'm still struggling. I know it's the thoughts. I know I need to think the thoughts and create the thoughts that I want to create the results that I want. But I'm like stuck on the thoughts. <laughs> when we get stuck in our thoughts, it's because in my experience, like we haven't challenged them. We haven't disproved them. So let's disprove some. What are some of like the nagging thoughts that feel really tricky or stuck? Oh, gosh. So many. <laughs> A big one right now has been the belief in myself. Like, I want to do this. Can I really do this? You wouldn't have a thought like, can I really do this? It's probably something like, I can't do this. Who would hire me? Something along those lines. Yeah, or I think that the nagging thought lately has been more of like the, maybe you should be doing something else. Like, maybe just do something else. And then I'm like, no, I don't want to. Like, this is what I want to do. And every time I like, I've sat down to journal on that or whatever, I'm like, no, this is what I want. Like, I feel so passionate about it. Like, it totally lights me up. And it is where I want to spend time. And I do see value in it. So why can I not shut up that stupid voice? (laughs) Is there something like a tap? Like, when you think that you should do something else, is there something else that's on your mind? Nothing specifically, just like a regular job. Okay. Why is that enticing? Probably the first thing is, is because it's like, you know, consistently you're going to make money. You know, it's like you clock in, you clock out, you're done for the day and you make money. Yeah. So what is that pointing to for what you want from your business? What do you want from coaching? I think one of the things is probably I could do a better job at like setting limits for myself with time because I tend to like get into a project and like kind of go, go, go with it. And I think part of the problem with it is that like we've talked about this before. I have these ideas and I like build this program or whatever and then I like start to sell it 
and I kind of freak myself out. So I stop selling it and then it doesn't sell because I stopped selling it. And so then I'm like, oh, oh, now I should do this, you know, and it's like the new shiny object that I want to chase and create something else. So I think that's the thing is like, how do I hold my feet to the fire and follow through with things? So this is what I love about coaching. And we've done this work before. Do your clients struggle with follow through? For sure. (laughs) How would you coach them? What would you say? Because I don't think you even need to tell you how to follow through. Yeah. Just choose one thing. Just choose one thing. One thing to put in this rod. But how do you do that when you have all these other things that you want to do? Usually the question that I ask my clients is like, what's the one thing that feels like light and easy today that you could do that would help improve your health and fitness? So this is like a little bit different, obviously, than fitness and nutrition and things like that, because we have like a sales sequence or like a process that we do in business. Let's talk about like one launch that you've done and the process that you started and then where you felt scared. So I decided a couple of weeks ago that I was going to wanted to try and get more one-on-one clients. And so I was like, okay, I need to make a little bit more of a push for consults. And so I tried a couple different things for consults, but I know I didn't follow through on them like I could have. When you say I know I didn't follow through, what is that? I posted about it like twice and then it was like, well, I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. So it was like, oh, I'm just going to pivot, which is actually not even true because I did have people reach out to me, but it still like scared me or whatever. So I just stopped doing it. I caught myself doing it and I was like, why? Why did I stop? Like I was getting good responses to this. So why did I pull back? I don't know. Let's like slow that whole thing down. When people start reaching out to you, like someone DM'd you or whatever, if you can like slow your mind on like a movie frame, like frame by frame, what were you thinking? Well, the first person who reached out to me is someone who was like a total cold DM. Like it's someone that I don't know at all who had just started following me. So I'd like thrown up a post and I was basically like, if you meet these criteria, I want to talk to you. And so she responded and she's like, you know, I want to know more. And so I felt a little bit frozen, like, oh, if I jump right into selling to her, she's not going to want to respond to me. And so I was like trying to just kind of like start conversation with her, but I don't know her. I don't know anything about her. I felt very socially awkward. Like, I don't know how to handle this conversation. And, you know, we DM'd back and forth a little bit. And then I was like, hey, so, you know, this is what I'm offering right now. I'd love to jump on a call with you and kind of talk through some of your goals since you meet like three of these six criteria. Let's see if we're a good fit. And she never responded. But then someone else who I kind of sort of know did respond and we had a consult and she actually did sign up for coaching. And so that's why I'm like, it worked. Yeah. But I stopped selling it. I stopped promoting that offer and then I like switched to something else. So I don't know why I keep doing that. It's okay. We don't have to have any judgment for you changing and pivoting. This is something that I think happens to entrepreneurs, especially is like we get rewarded for trying something new. So that when I try something new, I get a new result. But what we have to pay attention to is when we tried something new, we got the same result. We don't go to something new. We keep doing the thing that's getting the result. Yeah. It is going to feel uncomfortable. There's a great book. You probably hear people talk about it called The Big Leap. Have you read Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. I love The Big Leap because it like really talks about what you're going through where like things start to work. And we're like, oh, like this is too scary. Like I'm actually going to go to something else because like it's working and that's uncomfortable. 
success isn't comfortable for you, yeah. that's okay. So is one-on-one your top priority right now? Yes and no. <laughs> like what I want is to start building a group program. And so I do have like my little Cyber Monday sale right now is for a group launch that will start in January. I want to build that, but right now I have four one-on-one clients and I feel like I would like to have about 10. And so I want to build that up more. I like one-on-one because I love being able to go really deep with people and be really, really personal. My best client right now is like her situation would never work in a group format. Like I know we wouldn't have been able to have the breakthroughs and stuff that we've had with her. She needs to be able to be vulnerable and talk about things that you wouldn't really want to talk about in a group. So I love that. And like if I could get more people like her, like one-on-one would be like probably my happy place, honestly. And part of that is because the group feels a little bit like unsure to me. Like I know what I want it to look like, but I just haven't been able to practice it a lot yet. Okay. I'm going to on a thread that I kind of caught when you're talking about one-on-one. Is there anything about one-on-one that doesn't feel good right now? Or clients that feel hard? Because you said, if I get everyone like my best client, that'd be my happy place. But it's not your happy place right now. I think that it's like kind of this thought of like, one-on-one is going to be the thing that helps me grow. It's going to help me get in front of more people. If they have great results, they're going to tell their friends, whatever. And then the other side of me is that I'm like a little bit worried to actually have the 10 clients because I don't want to flake out on people. Like if something comes, I want to have flexibility. I think that that's probably part of it. Yeah. So you have this going on. You're like, I want it, but also stay away because I actually kind of don't. Yeah. (laughs) And we don't create 10 clients from that energy because you actually have a lot of repelling going on. And that's okay. So do you really want 10 clients? I don't know. <laughs> yes, I think I do. Because again, like when I think about that, I'm like, I could, if I needed to, like spread it out five days a week and that's two hours per, like that's totally doable. Or I could have like two designated days or even one designated day. So I'm like, I can see how I could make it work. I think that there's just fear there. It's just like, oh no, what would I do if something came up? Whatever. Well, let's talk about that. Because if we can resolve those fears, you will allow them to come in. I think right now you're actually stopping them from coming in because you're afraid of what's going to happen if you actually had 10 clients. If you think about it logically, it's fine. Like, for example, my daughter has an autoimmune disease and we're like always fighting to get into specialists. And it's like, if I can get that appointment, then I'm like, we got to take it, you know. But it was going to conflict with an appointment with my client. So I just messaged her and said, hey, I had this thing come up with my daughter. And she was like, yeah, no problem. And so yeah. my clients are humans. They're moms. They yeah. didn't, you know. So yeah. logically, I'm like, it's fine. If something came up and I needed to change something, it's okay. Yes. I know yeah. that logically. <laughs> you don't even know this because or yeah. else you will always have this fear. Like it is okay to pick your family over your clients every single time. Yeah. I don't know why that feels scary to me. Yeah. And that's okay. It's okay that it feels serious. That's, I think, what's actually like at the root of it, which is why your brain is like, well, a job would probably be easier because employers might understand better than my clients. Or maybe it's even because to an employer, like 
I would show up and I would be like, well, whatever's going on at home is probably just going to have to wait. And I think that that's part of it, too, is that it's weird. I have this like fear of not being reliable. And so like with work, I've done it before and I know like I would do the things. But then what I know is that stuff suffers at home and that doesn't work well. You want to be an entrepreneur. Part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have the flexibility to prioritize your family. Yeah. So are you afraid of your clients thinking you're flaky? Yeah. I mean, I think that that was part of it, but I definitely had that fear. And then when I reached out to my client, she was like, no problem. And I was like, oh, okay. And we actually still made something work that day and was still like, we ended up using Boxer instead of a regular call. And I mean, it was good. I don't know. I guess maybe I just need to like remind myself like, hey, this is what happened and it was okay. Yeah. If we believe that our business success is going to hurt us, somehow we won't create it. So I see this playing out for you. You're like about to get what you want. And then you're like, I have to sell this. <laughs> I have to sell something else or do something different. And maybe that's frustrating because it's been like kind of unconscious for a while, but now we're like bringing it to the surface. What if your family life only got better the more successful you became in your business? It'd be amazing. <laughs> How can you create that? I mean, I think just part of it is like letting them know that they are still a priority and being able to put things aside so that they can see that they are a priority. And being okay rescheduling with clients frequently, if that's what it takes. And you might have a conversation with your clients as they're enrolling, like, hey, my daughter has an autoimmune disease. So sometimes I do have to, you know, reschedule calls. Is that going to be a problem for you? Most moms are not going to say that's a huge problem most moms are pretty flexible. But I also wonder if like building space into your work schedule would be helpful so that you feel like the capacity to do that. What's your work situation like right now? Like how much do you work? How many days do you work? So right now I've got two clients on Thursdays, one on Monday and one on Tuesday. So those are my one-on-ones right now. Does that feel good? Yeah. I mean, it's easy. The only one that's like not my favorite is just my Monday client is much later than I'd like for it to be. And it's because she's East Coast and she works and that's kind of like what worked for her. And she was my second client. So I was like, okay, we'll do it. Like, you know, I'll just make it work. And it's okay. Like it works. It's just our start time is 415, which is just right as a few minutes after my kids all get home from school. And so Mondays always feel a little bit like, oh, okay, guys. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Kind of like we were talking about earlier, like for me, for you, for us, ask your client if she's willing to find a new time. She doesn't have to, but ask her if she's open to it. Because I know it's of high service when you are really excited and it works for you to be there for your client. That's when we can serve the best. When we like don't have these thoughts lingering about how we wish it was later. It's like you have this kind of like low-key resentment for this 415 call. Just ask her. And if she's not willing to, that's okay. But I think you'll feel better, kind of sweet and clean energy about that if you ask her. Yeah. Okay. The other thing that I want you to do is actually like put in, this is an exercise that I think everyone should do is like, if you actually had 10 clients, where would they go on your calendar? Yeah, my plan is anytime between like 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. It's like kind Mm -hmm. of open time. And right now, the rest of the days, I pretty much fill it with like content creation. Like I know I'm wasting way too much time there. I know I am but I keep doing it. (laughs) And until you have the clients fill in, 
this is what I used to do before I was fully booked. Like I would put in my calendar where I wanted my clients to go. And if I didn't have an actual client in that hour, I would do client creating activities. So like content creation would go under there. DMing people would go in there. And that's kind of how I filled it until I had the client. But what I want you to see is like what 10 clients actually looks like in your calendar. And if you want that. Because I think one of the reasons that you want to group is kind of like what Danita was talking about is like leverage that you don't have to work more to serve more people, which keeps your calendar open. Yeah. So maybe that's what I need to focus on right now is just like imagining that these different days of the week I have clients at these specific times. And then in that time frame, make sure that I'm doing productive work instead of like spending way too long on Canva. <laughs> Yeah. And I love Canva. I have lots of people love Canva. I don't think we have to have judgment for that. It's just, is this serving the purpose that you want it to serve? Yeah. Danita brought up a good, like it is interesting that groups are harder to reschedule, but if you only had one hour block for a group, you could play with it. But I think this is helpful for everyone to do, especially as the new year's coming is like, what do you want your calendar to look like? And how can you make powerful decisions that gets you closer to that? Whether that's adding new clients or changing the time that you meet with clients. Yeah. I also really do love the idea of getting someone into a longer commitment. That's like kind of one of my goals for the next year, but that feels really scary too. Right now, my packages are either six weeks or 12 weeks, and it's been good. Like the six weeks is like kind of what's gotten people in the door. And then two of my clients that have been with me, both of them, one since May, the other since July, started as six-week clients, and then they've just renewed at 12 weeks Mm -hmm. twice now, which is great. Why do you think weeks is easier for you to sell? I think part of it is because like, even with both of them who have re-signed a few times now, like talking to them initially, they were like, oh, I liked knowing that it was like six weeks. And if I wasn't getting results, then it was like easy for me to bounce. Yes and no. I like it except for that like six weeks is realistically not really long enough for someone to actually get results. But I figured if I could start getting them enough wins, they would see, okay, I need a little bit longer and then they would renew for 12. And that has worked. I mean, it's been good. Not everyone. I've had four clients now who just did the six weeks and then moved on and that's okay. My client that just signed two weeks ago, she's like six weeks. I know that's not enough. So she signed for 12. I know it's a belief. I'm going to challenge you to do something too. Okay. You're just getting homework left and right. Right. <laughs> and when you go into your vault, there's a module inside Pro Coach that's called Elevate Your Ideal Client Avatar. Because I think you are imagining the kind of client that's like, we'll see if six weeks what we can do versus someone who's committed to their own transformation and they see you as the guide and they're like, well, how long do you think it'll take to create what I want? And you're like, probably six months. That's a very different kind of person than like, well, I'll see what we do in six weeks and I can bounce if it doesn't work. Yeah. But they're not the results that they want right there, right? And so guiding them more powerfully to see what it actually takes to create what they want, it means that you have to elevate your identity as a coach and you elevate the identity of the person that you want to work with. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think also that kind of client you'll really enjoy working with because they're committed. The phrase that I like is like, until it works. Yeah. So maybe 12 weeks becomes your minimum time working with the client. One of the things that's cool about what you do, it's not just like, let's see how much weight we can cut in the next six weeks. I know for you, it's like a lifestyle. Like this is what you do for your life. Well, what better way to show them than by like working with them for a long-term experience? Yeah. And that's kind of my thought with like a year-long program is like, 
taking them through the four different phases of nutrition. I could take them through a cut. I could take them through a reverse diet. I could take them through a maintenance phase. If they wanted to go into bulking to build muscle, I could take them through that. Or we could just spend more time at maintenance. So that's why I'm like, a year would be like awesome because it would give them this great format to be able to explore those different phases and see like what their body feels like, what their energy levels are like in these different phases instead of like most women are just like dieting forever, you know? So yeah. And when we believe in what our offer is and why it's so much more compelling than like, I just want more money from you. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's not what it's about. It's like when I moved to six months or 12 months, it's because I really saw that's just what it took for me to get my clients where they wanted to go. And so when I say that, that's not false. I really believe that. And I think when you have that experience of like, and I think maybe you keep 12 weeks and you have a year. And when you're on a consult with someone, you're like, I either work with clients for 12 weeks or a year. I tend to like the year because we get to go through all the seasons. We get to bulk, cut, reverse diet, all the things that you just said. And here's why that's powerful. Because I'm interested in helping you change. Like it's a lifestyle transformation. And if that feels too out of reach for you, I recommend, you know, working together for 12 weeks at least. Yeah, that feels because good. Can I just have you come on all my calls and say that? So that I can- no, no, they're there because they resonate with you. Yeah. You have to believe that. Yeah. You resonate with me, but they resonate with you. And you are the best coach for them. That's true. But I think this whole conversation, if I had to like sum up what you and I just did, is like putting you back in the driver's seat of your business. Your clients don't drive the bus. You do. You get to make the call. You get to change your schedule if you want to. You get to make recommendations for what offer works best for you. And you might have an affirmation that's like, I make great decisions. I think you're afraid of your decision making right now. Yeah, I know I am. <laughs> like, okay, now that you have the awareness, you can start to speak something new, which is I make great decisions. What's interesting, the first time I had to cancel a group call, I don't love canceling group calls, but I had to once because I got mono. <laughs> I was very sick. I remember boxing my coach was like, I think I'm going to just try to do it. And she's like, do not do it. Do not show up sick to your calling. It's in your highest good to cancel. And I remember I, so I canceled and I got an email back from one of my clients who was like, thank you for showing us that you can choose what matters most. The way that we do our business also is demonstrating values to our clients. And so when you choose to cancel a call for your daughter, like that's just showing you are choosing your priorities and it gives you permission to your clients to do the same. Not that I'm like recommending being flaky. That's different. Flaky is different than you prioritizing your kid's health. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that goes back to you can trust your decisions. I can trust my decisions. And you can even like play with it, like make great, powerful decisions quickly. You know, I make decisions in alignment with my highest good or my highest values. Like you can play with it, but I think that that will really serve you is like really believing that about yourself. Because then it's like when you decide to get fully booked one-on-one, you make a true decision. It's like, I'm committed to selling one-on-one until I get fully booked. And I'm not going to change my mind because I make great decisions. And you do make great decisions. You do. I do. It's just like, you have to make that an active belief by speaking it. Yeah. I think that part of it is that I feel confident that I can make great decisions for my family. And I feel less confident that I can make great decisions for myself. What does that mean? My family has to come first, you know? So it's like, if it's something that I need or I want, like that's got to take a back seat. But I don't think that that has to be true. I think it could be best for me and best for my family. Yes. You're a part of your family. (laughs) Yes. You're an integral part of this. 
I don't know if you've heard me talking about this. My husband has type 1 diabetes and we were dating. He would say things like, I got to take care of number one. And that used to rub me the wrong way because he met himself. I got to take care of number one, you know? And it was like, no, you're supposed to take care of everyone else. Like that was kind of the messaging that I got as a kid, probably you too, right? I got to take care of everyone else. But then the more I watched him take care of other people because he took care of himself, that I learned a really powerful lesson for myself. It's like, I have to prioritize me so that I can fulfill the relationship responsibilities that I want to fulfill. So yeah. what if you decided the powerful decision, like you always take care of yourself because you're worthy of them. You don't have to take the back seat. You don't have to put yourself on the back burner. You and your kids are on the front burner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that's true. That's why I work out. If I do these things, I know I'm a better mom. I know that so the same can be true for my business. And I just want to add this. And even if you do something for yourself just to feel good, even if it doesn't make you a better mom, that is also worthy of your time. It can just be for you. It doesn't have to be so you're a better mom. That's awesome when it does make you a better mom. But if it makes your life better also, that's worthy enough for you to spend your time doing. Okay. <laughs> Simmer on all of it. Yeah. Okay. Or is it a client to change the time? It's going to be uncomfortable, but you are allowed to do that for sure. If it's yeah. not working, you're allowed to ask them to change. And if they can't, they can't, but it's worth an ask. Which elevate your ideal client avatar inside the vault. And it's in pro coach. So we okay. in. And then- and make great, powerful decisions. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, no problem. Okay. I know we're a little bit over time, but I can still answer questions or coach. I think Christy, you're the only one that hasn't gone in that seat if you wanted it. I do just have a question and people can yeah. jump off. I have a situation that I haven't had with any other client and I keep saying, oh, it's because of this and it's because of this. And I just want to kind of get your take on it. I am coaching a family member and okay, I have thoughts that <laughs> yeah. she's kind of a wild card. And I think she possibly has like ADD or ADHD or something. And like, she really has a hard time focusing. That's been part of kind of her personality makeup. But it seemed like I've known her for a lot of years. Anyway, she was really struggling with anxiety and we started coaching together, but she wants it on her terms. She's like, oh, well, I don't want to do a Zoom call. I want you to just call me on FaceTime. And I was like, that's easy. Sure, we'll do that. And then we've just gotten this habit, like she was traveling a lot over the summer and she would be like, well, I still want to do it, but I'll be traveling. So it'll be kind of, you know, on the fly. Like I'll be in my hotel room or whatever. And I was like, if you want to do it, that's great. We can reschedule. Oh, no, I want to do it. I actually didn't think that she would come. I told my husband, like, out of 12 sessions, how many do you think she'll even show up for? You know, she has shown up for every single one. Sometimes she's a little late, but she has shown up and she's renewed. Like she is committed that way. But when I coach her, probably about half the time, she is either like, she's doing something else. And I'll be like, hey, would it work for you to like sit down and like, let's just do some breathing. Let's kind of get present. And she's just like, oh, that's really hard for me. I'm like, okay, but that's what we're working on. Right. So I like, or she'll say, yeah, sure. And we'll do it for a minute and we'll have, we'll coach for about 20 minutes. And all of a sudden she's like walking around her house and she's like filling up her eyes and she's like making her bed. And I'm like, oh, over here. Can I ask what family member this is? Yeah. She's is a sister-in-law. Sister yeah. When she came to you, can you tell me the circumstances of like how you guys started working together? She was having a panic attack at a family wedding 
And Mm -hmm. her husband just said, can you go talk to her? And we sat and talked for two hours. And then she was like, I need you to do this for me every day (laughs) or, you know, every week. (laughs) And I was like, well, so we've been working together for six months now. Okay. So I'm going to tell you something, and this applies to family members too. I think you have to be willing to fire a client. Not that you have to fire, but you have to be willing to if they're not doing their part in the coach-client relationship. It's not like you're going to sit down and be like, you're getting ice and making your bed, you're fired and my client. That's not what I'm talking about. But you have to risk bringing up a hard conversation and put yourself, because as a coach, we sign up to lead the relationship. And I know you're so soft and so sweet. It's going to be uncomfortable. (laughs) And I think it's of deep service for both of you to say, we need to have a meta conversation about our coaching relationship and kind of how you get the best results from coaching. Are you willing to block off your calendar so that you're not doing anything else? You're sitting down and you're experiencing being coached for the full session. That's in your best interest because that's how you're going to get the best results is when you're focused on this work. Are you willing to do that? Yeah. And what comes up for me is I feel like I've kind of played with that. She does not like to be told what to do. Like if there's expectation, it's almost like she has to flex her muscle. Mm-hmm. So maybe there'd be good work to do on that too. But then maybe her- you can do it like a ninja. Maybe you ask her, how do you think coaching is going? Are you getting a lot out of it? What do you think about our sessions? Actually, I really like that. Actually, I was like thinking, I need to ask her a question. What is the question I would want to ask her? I had a client once. So my clients just get my booking link and they can schedule their sessions every month. And I noticed like there was like two months that she didn't book a call at all. Into the second month, I was like, hey, can I ask you a question? What are you thinking about our time together? Like there's something going on that you want to talk about that you feel uncomfortable bringing up because they want us to lead. She's not going to bring it up to you, but you can ask her. Yeah, because I've had also the thought like two weeks ago, she was driving. It was just like, you're driving like to Vegas. You know, I was not the right time to be coaching. But at the same time, we also had a really, I wouldn't say a really good session. We had this session that I think she needed to go do this, what she was doing down in Vegas. It was an okay session. And my thought was just like, I believe my clients always get what they came for, right? And like, I think she probably thinks that it's going fine. (laughs) And she probably seen huge improvement. Like, I think I'm making this about me maybe in some way. I just want to be on to myself because yeah. I'm making it mean like, oh, she doesn't take me seriously. Yeah, I could see that. But she's also shown up for every call, which is so unlike her that I'm like, oh, my gosh, she has shown up for every call. So then maybe in asking her, like, do you feel like you're getting what you come for in our sessions? Because sometimes I notice like you're doing other things and I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. So this is useful for you. And she might be like, oh, Yeah. This is amazing. My mind's being blown every week. And like, I love our sessions. And then you can be like, oh, like, and then you get to decide it's your Zuru or FaceTime or Diverge. You're leading the session. If you're okay with her driving and if you're okay with her doing other things, that's up to you. I wouldn't be, but I have reasons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious if you have reasons why you don't want her to be doing those things. Well, one is that I'm like, I think it's disrespectful to our time together, but also When I come, I try to be present. And obviously, for sure, when I'm coaching, but even on a group call, I like to try to show up in presence, right? Yeah. Even if she has a lot of energy in her body, probably, when she's coaching with you. Yeah. 
Well, and I just want it to be effective. And I feel like a lot of times I'll say like, okay, can you go sit on your bed? And then be like, let's take a couple of deep breaths. I want you to like, you know, it's different things like that. And sometimes she'll be like, oh, I don't really have time for, you know, like she's just gone. Mm-hmm. But she also like, you've made so much progress. So I don't know. But I do really love that. Like, you know, do you feel like you're getting whatever you say, you say it like it's so easy. And I'm like, wait, how did she phrase that? Because it sounded so natural and easy. So I will have to probably watch the replay. (laughs) Well, I've had these kinds of conversations before. I think also when you're coming from a place of genuine curiosity, like the words do come. So if you're genuinely curious, are you getting what you're coming for? Like, are these sessions as powerful as I think they could be for you? Yeah. And I've had the thought too. I believe they have been good, but can we make them great? Maybe she's kind of been needed to be eased into and like know that she can trust me and that we're going, this is what's going to look like. And maybe it's just time to up level. Maybe that's why I'm feeling kind of this like, at first it was like, oh, I'm going to be on the houseboat or I'm going to be in your spring. Like she traveled all summer. And I think I just kind of got to be like, oh, this is just how it is this week. But then it started being like every week like that. Yeah. We've kind of gotten into yeah, and, a bad habit. And this is what's interesting is I think it's like the coach's preference. So I work for the coach where we all need phone calls. And so like for better or for worse, sometimes I would take the call and be doing things. And she wouldn't have known, right? Because we were talking. And I think about that sometimes because it's like, if phone calls are different than Zoom and there's a reason that I like Zoom, and but like the phone calls are awesome too. So it just kind of depends. That's why I asked you like, what do you think about her being on a drive or whatever? Because- Maybe she's fine, but maybe you're not, and that's okay. And you can either say you're not okay with her doing those things, or you can change how you experience the calls too. There's not just one right answer here. I think it is just having a really conversation with her. Conversation. Okay, thank you. Maybe she'll offer new insight and give you a different perspective. Like maybe it's good for her to be walking. (laughs) I don't know. know. My thought has been like, at the time, that was the best she could do. And I think that that has been true up until the last couple of times where it's felt like we could do more. We're missing some things. I think that that's a powerful thing for the coach to share. Like, I actually think there's another level we could go to. I think there's more I can offer you in being honest about that. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That feels in service and not judgmental. Like I kept thinking yeah. like this feels like judgment or it feels like you're doing this wrong. And I was like, that's not where I want to come from. I don't think that's where you would have come from anyway, but now you have the awareness where it won't be like that. It won't be a judgment conversation. Yeah. It'll be a curiosity, you know, feel like curiosity and love for her. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye.